This is Joe Calloway, author of Magnetic, The Art of Attracting Business, and you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I either run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on. They are recorded during the cocktail hour. To find the show notes for each episode with pictures of each guest and links mentioned in their conversation, visit marketingbookcocktails.com. Marketingbookcocktails.com. See what I did there? And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com, and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. Joe Calloway, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you? <laughs> I've got a cocktail, so I'm doing great. Well, as do I. So, Joe, it's been too long since I spoke to you. I think it might have been 2016 when I interviewed you about your your fantastic book, Magnetic, and I've been following you uh, with uh, all the keynotes that you give. I, I watch the videos. Um, yes, I've been stalking you. I'm sorry about that, but uh, you know that's the way it goes. Now, you are uh, an author of several books, and uh, there's uh, been a more – what's the name of your uh, – tell us the name of your most recent book. Yeah, the most recent is called uh, The Leadership Mindset. And you've also written uh, Becoming a Category of One, How Extraordinary Companies Transcend Commodity and Defy Comparison and Be the Best at What Matters Most, The Only Strategy You Will Ever Need, and Work Like You're Showing Off, The Joy, Jazz, and Kick of Being Better Tomorrow Than You Were Today, Never By Chance, Aligning People and Strategy Through Intentional Leadership, and the list goes on. Now, listeners should goes on and on. That's right. Listeners should also know that you are a member of the Speakers Hall of Fame, which uh, very few people are in, but I have had the honor of interviewing uh, a few other authors who are also in that, uh, including some of your fellow troublemakers like uh, Scott McCain. Oh, yeah. Well, that's funny. Scott and I were emailing back and forth just, I mean, literally 15 minutes ago. So, uh, yeah, I, I tend to run with a bad crowd a lot of the time, and he's uh, he's one of the ringleaders. And Larry Winget, I believe, is another one of your troublemaker friends. Oh, yeah. yeah. I also talk with Larry every day, and that's probably not a good idea. But yeah. uh, none, nonetheless, I, it's it's just a bad habit. I can't kick it. Yeah, and when I sometimes see pictures of you and some of those guys together, the first thing that pops into my mind, and I may be the only one, but I often wonder, like, do the local authorities know that all of you are together in one place? Well, not if we can help it. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's for sure. Right. So now you are quarantined at home, and you live in the Nashville area, right? I live in Nashville. Yeah, I sure oh. do. 
Okay. Well, because, you know, people live in uh, Brentwood or Franklin or other yeah. places. No, we're, we're, in Nash- we're in Nashville proper. Okay. Okay. And uh, you, my impression is that you, like a lot of these uh, speakers, authors, you're on the road a lot, at least based on what I'm able to follow on your social media sites. Uh, I'm guessing all of that rather abruptly changed for the next few months. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, actually, I'm not on the road nearly as much as I used to be because, a l- what's this month? Uh, just a little over a year ago, I stopped doing keynotes. Oh, really? Now, yeah, what I do still do, or I shifted to more of a workshop format with, and normally, Douglas, it's very, very small groups of senior leadership for a company. And uh, it tends these days to be small to mid-sized companies. I'm also doing some one-on-one coaching. But you know what? I just got I just got tired of the keynote format. It's it's kind of a you know, been there, done that for 30 years. And I got to where I really I really pretty much enjoyed being in a much more conversational give and take situation uh, with clients. And so um, I've cut way back on the travel. I'm doing as much regional now as I can. And golly, like the whole world these days, but even, even before the quarantine, I've started doing a lot more online. So not as many airplanes as it used to be. And for me, that's a happy thing. Oh, that's that's great timing. And I do know that your keynotes, you would still try to engage with the audience quite a bit. And I guess uh, that yeah. that still is a little difficult and just not as not some so much so when you are interacting with a smaller group and and during uh, a workshop. And I think your your uh, your sense of humor probably comes through even more when you're able to uh, be a little more contemporary, uh, you know, spontaneous with the the, the attendees. Yeah, it, you know, Douglas, I just, I just like conversations better than speeches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, the other thing is, I've got a whether this is good or bad, I've got a very low th- threshold for boredom, and uh, I just find that that doing more of a workshop or doing one-on-one coaching with with somebody. Um, it's it's not at all boring to me. It, I'm not I'm not talking. I'm not saying the same thing over and over. You know, five keynotes in a row that are ninety percent the same um, just wasn't as interesting to me as the, uh, the 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 more interactive way of doing it. Oh, okay, I see, and that probably explains why before we started recording, you you, you know you you have a low threshold for boring. That's why you said you're probably only going to be talking to me for about five minutes. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I've said about all I have to say. So, <laughs> but it's been it's been great. Yeah, yeah. Get you back on the show in about five years. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, good show. Good so, show. what uh, what are what are your friends? What are your your clients thinking about? What are they asking about? What did what what are you what what are your observations? And I ask that because. This is different. It's I, I, we're looking for past paradigms of how to how to comprehend all this. And it only goes part of the way. Yeah. this And that's the thing. I mean, to state the obvious, this is such, 
new ground for for all of us. And I heard what I thought was the greatest illustration or metaphor or whatever it is, which is that we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. And that's true for individuals. I mean, there are, there are people, you know, for me, Douglas, to be totally transparent, this is all really inconvenient. Um, but, but not even to, on some days, it's not even to that great a, a, an extent inconvenient. But for some people, obviously, I mean, they are up against it. This is, this is just hard. I mean, so, so, so hard. And the same is true for companies. There are some companies that are able to just roll right along. And for whatever reason, because of the nature of their business, uh, they're doing just fine. I mean, I know companies that are even hiring right now uh, beyond Amazon. Um, but then there are other companies that are that are hanging on by a thread. And so it's the, the reality is so different. Uh, depending on who you are, where you are, what business you're in. And as I said, that's true for individuals and it's true for, for organizations. Mm -hmm. Do you think that some of the, any sense of what is happening now is going to become a more, a more permanent fixture? Or do you think there are certain changes in the past that are, that were already underway that are just being accelerated like crazy? Well, you know, one obvious change is just the amount of activity that is now online. And of course, everything from the, the Amazon has blown up as far as Amazon's hiring, you know, 100,000 people. Uh, their stock is, is, is higher than it's ever been. Um, and so people are ordering stuff online. And I think that's a trend that had already started. I think there's probably going to be a lot of people that that they're not, they're not going to go to the grocery store anymore. They're going, you know, having the groceries brought to me is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we'll see changes like that in in my business and a lot of my friends and, and certainly with you, the, everything's happening online now. There There are no gatherings uh of people and i think a lot of that is probably going to stick although i do think we're going to go back to having live face-to-face -face meetings because you know i mean we're social animals we're so we're social creatures and generally speaking we like being in the same room mm -hmm. but yeah i yeah i do think there are going to be some permanent changes come out of this yeah are, are you seeing examples of companies that may have actually read magnetic <laughs> as they respond to uh, what's going on here. Have, have you seen some, some good examples of companies that are uh, handling things uh, in a, in a constructive and helpful way, at least from their behavior and their, and their messaging? You know, the, the, one of the core messages in magnetic, and I mean, it's not exclusive to me. There are a lot of people that talk about this, this new reality of the, the way we used to go to market was we bought advertisements and we told the world how great we were. And now, and this has been true for a number of years, but now since so much business is online, uh, it's becoming more true than ever. People don't 
when if people are deciding whether or not to do business with me, <laughs> they don't ask me if I'm good. They ask the internet if I'm good. They go online and they do searches. And this is true for every kind of business out there now. If if somebody's thinking about buying Magnetic, uh, The Art of Attracting Business, uh, they don't read what I've said about it. They go on Amazon and they look at the reviews. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's got 90% five-star reviews, then they're they're probably likely to buy it. But if it's got 30% five-star reviews and 30% four-star and 30% one-star, they're not even going to read the description of it. They're going to move on to something else. And so what that's doing is I think it is making customers much more sensitive to the incredible importance of, of creating a great customer experience because your customer's experience and what they say about it truly is your, your biggest marketing impact in the world today. Yes. That brings to mind uh, something from uh, it's often attributed to Jeff Bezos where he says, you know, a brand is not what you say about yourself. It's what others say about you when you're not in the room. And exactly. And, but let me quote from this other book, called Magnetic. This book focuses on one thing above all others, creating the experiences that sparked positive word of mouth that will drive new business to you. It is about the attitude, strategies, and tactics that make that happen. This book is about what customers say about you. It's not about what you say about you. (laughs) And I think uh, I... I still see a certain number of books, maybe about branding or something like that. Not yeah. about not about logos, but about and and you know I, I'm I'm I want to be sensitive to the authors of books about branding, but I still find it uh, a little bit of a stretch that too many of them approach it as if you can control what is said about you, like in the old days, like when you and I were younger. Yeah. And now most of what is said, I think even McKenzie, 10 years ago, found that two-thirds of everything said about a company is not said by the company anymore. And I would think that that number is getting, getting even uh, bigger. And so that then points back to the, the customer experience. With your experience with uh, companies, what are the things that contribute to them finally starting to realize that engineering a good customer experience is good for their business? Gosh, you know, I, man, to, to me, it's, <laughs> it's just, holy cow, if you're halfway paying attention, I mean, even halfway paying attention, I, I don't see how it could escape you that, well, going back to the idea of brand if i want to know what your brand is as as you were just saying um i'm going to go to one of your customers and i'm going to say hey what's it like to do business with douglas Mm -hmm. and whatever they say next that is your brand (laughs) whether whether you like it or, or not now what you want and and listen i'm not saying 
that people shouldn't advertise and shouldn't have outreach marketing. You should, of course you should. Um, it's just that the importance of it or, or where it ranks in, in your overall strategy has really shifted. But I mean, I think pretty much everybody is starting to get it that it's, it truly is what the market says about you that drives the rest of the market either to you or away from you. Yeah. I remember in uh, magnetic, you said the product is the marketing, you know, and I, I, I would argue also the, the, the experience that, that people have with you. And it seems like the, one of the biggest, uh, differentiators that a company has and they can even charge more if folks have a, a better experience and all of the studies I've seen show that people or at least Americans are willing to pay more <laughs> for a better uh, customer experience yet I still have run into some companies where you know they just I don't know they're, they're maybe they just don't have that uh, sense of uh, self-awareness are there certain things that happen to companies where they suddenly realize that they do need to fix that? Like um, I was talking the other day to Jean Bliss, who you probably know, and she's written a number of books about customer experience. And yes, she, oh, she's terrific. And she talked about how uh, one particular thing that she had seen work well is when you have the executives in the room or you have customers in the room and the executives are sitting around the outer ring. And you just ask these folks very straightforward questions. And one of the big responses that she has gotten from executives is, was no one going to tell me about this? <laughs> like they, they had no sense of what it was like to be, uh, you know, one of their own customers or some of the friction that they, they run into. You know, I, in, oh my gosh, <laughs> don't get me started there. That that's something that, that I've talked about and, Here's where I like to be contrarian, and I say this just to get people to think. You know, we hear all the time that business owners and executives shouldn't work in the business. They should work on the business. And, well, you, we, you mentioned uh, my latest book, The Leadership Mindset, Mindset. And in that book, I talk about exactly what you were just saying, Douglas, or what Gina was talking about. I talk about executives that are so far removed from the reality of the front line that they don't, I mean, they literally don't know what's going on. And to me, that's bad leadership and they need to get in touch or they need to work in the business. They need to get back in touch with what's happening in the trenches. And you know, the same thing is true for the internal employee experience. There are executives that uh, will stand in front. Oh, my God, I've seen it. Uh, I've been in the back of the room waiting to go on and give my speech, and the CEO stands up there and says, we've had a great year, and uh, everybody's happy, and this is the most fabulous place in the world. Give yourselves a hand. And he or she is clueless <laughs> about the fact that everybody in that room is, is not happy. <laughs> they, mm. they don't particularly like working there, but the executives just removed from it. And so, yeah, that's a real threat to, to the survival of a company is to have leadership that, that doesn't know what's going on. 
Mm. So what do you think that, uh, you know, the marketers of the world or even the, the people in sales, they're all, I, I'm, I'm in touch with a number of them and they're sort of wondering what, what should they do? Should they, uh, in fact, I've even heard of some salespeople who are saying, is it okay to sell now? Which to me means that yeah. maybe they didn't quite understand what selling was. Uh, <laughs> meaning, yeah. like Anthony Anarino would say, it's not something you do to someone. Uh, it's you something you do with or, or for someone. But also uh, the marketers out there, I, I sense there's just a hesitation to want to make any noise. And maybe there's a few that are sort of, you know, uh, curled up in the in the fetal position. What advice would you have for companies that are just sort of wondering what, what what should they do, particularly at a time when maybe folks aren't quite ready to to buy again? Yeah. Well, it doesn't do anybody any good to be curled up in a ball on the floor. But I, I, I want to say good job to the ones that are sensitive and aren't tone deaf. I mean, we've all seen, or at least I've seen, memes about somebody that says, oh, look, Another email from a company that I did business with eight years ago saying that they're thinking about me during this trying time and they want to help. And so they've put their products on sale for me. How thoughtful of them. And so, yeah, you, you don't want to be tone deaf and you don't want to be stupid. And because people are getting beat over the head with just message after message after message that says, these are tough times, but we'll get through it together. Good God. If I hear we'll get through it together one more time, I'm going to slam my head against the table. But having said that, I think it's legitimate and welcomed for people to reach out to their customers, not to strangers necessarily, but to their customers to say, how can I help? Or even better than that is to know your customer well enough to say, I've got a feeling that it would be helpful to you if I were to, you know, fill in the blank and then do something uh, that, that genuinely would be helpful. What I'm doing is I'm trying to lay the groundwork for the business that I think the business rebound that I think we're going to experience. And so I want everybody that I do business with to have a very positive mindset about me when they start spending money again. Hmm. And so, so I'm doing things to try to create a positive experience, even if there's no monetary transaction going on at the moment. Right. Can you say more about what you think the, What's going to happen in the in the rebound? You know, I'm just here's here's the way I look at it, and and I'm also pretty active in the stock market. So it it and and by the way, let me preface this by saying I might be dead wrong, but what I what I believe is that we we are going to have a very strong rebound, and that it's going to be fairly rapid. And the reason I say that is because we had a very, very strong economic base. Our economy was was going great guns when we went into this thing. Now, I have to temper that optimism with a, 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 
a balanced belief that I don't think people are going to make a mad charge to go to, to the restaurants. I think there's going to be some people that will, but I think a lot of people are going to say, I, you know, I'm still nervous about this until we get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Step one, we got to get a treatment. Step two, once we get a vaccine, then we're really going to rebound. And that may not be, well, I mean, everybody can read the same thing I read. It may not be for a year or 18 months or nine months or whatever. But I do believe because we had a strong economic base going into it, that unless the whole thing falls apart, uh, you know, I mean, if it's game over and the economy is destroyed, then all bets are off. I simply don't think that's going to happen. I do think the longer we go, on the one hand, probably the safer it is. And on the other hand, for some companies, I just mentioned restaurants, there's some of them that are going to close up and they're not going to be able to reopen because uh, they just don't have the cash reserves and they won't be able to stay in business. Yeah. So you're active in the stock market. So the fact that we scheduled this for during the cocktail hour. Were you able to talk to me because it didn't interfere with the uh, watching uh, the stock market? <laughs> well, it, the, the market closes at three o'clock central. So oh, okay, that's right. We right. started. I had a whole hour <laughs> to get ready. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. You know the the thing that occurs to me about what companies could be doing. Rather than saying we're going to give you, a, well, I just got a, I, I've gotten messages from like my utilities saying, thanks for paying that electrical bill. We're here for you. Yeah. <laughs> I just got one today. And there was another one from those, you know, the nice folks at the gas company, but they're doing, you know, what they can. But the companies that I think are really shining are the ones that are talking about their actions. In other words, yes. Actions speak so much louder than words. And just today, yeah. I was talking to a friend, Jamie Paris, down in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And one of his uh, clients is a security, like an ADT kind of place. Called yeah. call, it's called Call Course. Anyway, what they did, as I understand it, I may get this wrong, but there were closed restaurants, and they were getting vandalized. And so what these guys did was they reached out to those shuttered restaurants and said, look, we understand your situation. Let us put the security cameras in your restaurant for you, and there's not going to be any charge. And yeah. and then if, you, if you're able to open back up, at that point, you can decide if you want to be a customer. And if you don't, we'll just come by and pick up the equipment. But we it, it really uh, makes our heart ache to see – uh, shuttered businesses being burglarized like that. Or another example was yesterday I was talking to Joey Coleman, who you probably uh, run into on the or have run into in the speaker yep. circuit. And he mentioned to me that Enterprise Rent a Car, you know, normally kids under 25 can't, kids, <laughs> young adults under the age of 25 can't rent cars. Right. For, for the most part. And he was telling me that what Enterprise Rent a Car said was, you just need to be 18. And the reason why is because there were so many young people that were away at school and needed yeah. to get home and they couldn't catch a flight. And they said, we're, we're going to, we're going to waive that. Just, it's not going to be a problem. we we'll just, just rent the cars and, and we'll get you home. Uh, and there's other you know, examples like that. Like my son, the EMT, 
you know, we're here in the Virginia Beach area, and I've mentioned this on some other episodes, and we were worried about him catching the coronavirus and then, you know, not to mention bringing it home. And there are a lot of empty hotels and resorts at the Virginia Beach Oceanfront. One of them, which is uh, Diamond Resorts. (laughs) I've never heard of them before, but they said, look, our places are empty. If there's any first responders that want a place to kind of semi-quarantine themselves when they're not out serving the public, you know, our our hotel's open to you. Come, we'll we'll give you a, a room, a suite for free for a month. You need another month? We're not going to be renting. Come on in. And it just, you know, as you can imagine, the the impact it had on our family, uh, where they just you know, they're losing money. And uh, they have empty hotels, and they just said, "Well, let's do something to help somebody." And so, uh, you know, just I, I'm seeing, I'm I'm really heartened by behavior uh, like that from companies where, yeah, they can talk about that, but their actions actually speak much much louder, and you know, it's amplified on social media even more than if they tried to buy ads explaining uh, what they were doing. Well, the three examples you just mentioned are, are, in my opinion, three home runs, and you just mailed it because what happens is people tell those stories. They say, did you hear what those guys did? Did you hear what Diamond Resorts did? And that's like throwing a, a, a rock in a pond, and the ripples of that, the positive ripples of that just go on and on and on, and they gain momentum. And so, yeah, instead of saying, is it okay for me to sell? I think the the, the better question is, is it okay for me to help? Yes. <laughs> and, and yes, it's okay for you to help. Now, I know that, and, and there's some people listening to this thinking, I don't own the company. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't give stuff away. I would love to, but I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I can only say this. There's no magic wand that that makes it better for a lot of folks that are in tough, tough situations. But I still think, and my mantra since this thing started every morning when I wake up is I think, how can I be useful today? What can I do that would be useful? So I've been going online on a lot of social media trying to help other people that do what I do for a living saying hey here's some things that have worked for me here's some things that are working for me here's if you have any questions about how I did that email me call me and then also certainly with my clients um, I'm looking for ways that I can help them but to me being useful if nothing else I'll go out and mow the yard but Honestly, it it helps me to do something where I can say, okay, that was productive. Even if it's, you know, read something and learn something. And I'm I don't I'm not talking about this from a rah-rah motivational standpoint at all. <clears throat> I'm talking about it from a what's my strategy through this thing? Uh how do how do I keep myself up and going? And so to, for me, it's not it's not cheerleading it's it's strategic but how can i be useful how can i be productive and we we all answer those questions in different ways absolutely and i think what you've just described is probably what 
compelled me to start doing this limited time daily series. <laughs> I was just thinking, how can I help? How can I help my listeners? What can I do to take their minds off of, you know, maybe a little more time in a, a very stressful uh, period of their life? And uh, it, the response I've gotten from the authors who have said, Douglas, I'm there for them. Please let me talk to them. And I, it, you know, I, I hope it's helping the listeners because it sure is helping me. <laughs> and it really feels good to to try to stay busy, uh, yeah. give my family a break from having forcing them to talk to me. Thank you, Joe, for doing that. And uh, <laughs> and, and 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 it just it feels good to, good to help others. And I think what you described just now is exactly what's going on for for uh, so many of us. Yeah, I think it is. And honestly, I hope nobody thinks I'm trying to sugarcoat things. Uh, and again, be be all motivation and precious with this honestly i am thinking how can i make this better what's in my own self-interest as i go through this and the answer for me is when i help somebody else i feel better so it's not that i'm all being all altruistic and uh being the nicest guy on the block honestly it does me good and so i I don't know i just i just try to let that kind of drive my actions through the day. Amen. Amen. So, Joe, you said you are in the city of Nashville, okay? Yes, sir. So let me tell you a little bit of uh, trivia about my family history, which never would have been appropriate to talk in one of my real interviews with uh, an author about a new book. But my (laughs) great-great-grandfather was an attorney in Nashville, and he fought in uh, the—he was in the— War of 1812, he fought with Andrew Jackson at the Battle of New Orleans. And on the wall of my house, I have a sword he took from a British officer. I don't know what the status of that British officer was when he took it from him. But he <laughs> later, you know, uh, Sam Houston lived in Tennessee. Yep. And he later fought a duel with Sam Houston before Sam Houston ever went to Texas. And my, wow. an- my ancestor, William White, he lost that duel, but he lived. And ever since then, Joe Calloway, marksmanship has been really important in our family. Well, it, under the category of it is a small world, the book that I'm currently reading, I'm about 75 pages into the 500 plus pages of it, is American Lion, the biography of Andrew Jackson by John Meacham. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And uh and that ancestor of mine, he's buried there in Nashville. And John Meacham is a Sewanee graduate, graduate of the University of the South, not far from yeah. you. Yeah. And that's where my exactly. daughter was a senior <laughs> until and she's still a senior. She's using up all the bandwidth in the house, finishing up her her uh, studies. But she was at Sewanee and came home for spring break and they said, Don't come back. It's it's all it's all shut down. So we could, we could, we we're doing six degrees of separation. Yeah, now. yeah. We could do this I'm sure we lost one of all the listeners, closest, but please go ahead. This is interesting to me. Well, one of just one of one of my closest friends in the world's daughter is a senior at Suwanee oh, this really? year. Yeah. Oh well, after we finish recording, I'm gonna have to ask who it is because my daughter, Absolutely. Emma Burdett, uh, was the president of the student government and on the dean's list. She was, you know, 
basically the mayor of Sewanee uh, campus. Listen, Sewanee's a great school. It's not that big. I bet you anything they know each other. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So at any rate, well, listen, Joe, I appreciate you taking some time to spend, and as we say in the South, to visit with us um, here on on, uh, Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. And I I hope you all, you and your family there in Nashville, continue to stay uh, safe and healthy and maybe even sane. You know, as it turns out, we are very fortunate because it turns out that uh, we all like hanging out together. So my wife and my two daughters, and we're they're both going to school online uh, every day. My wife is a teacher. She's teaching online every day. And I'm puttering around the house doing what I do all day. But yeah, it's going well, Douglas. Thank you. And same to you and your family. All right, everybody. Last call. 